Hey guys, I'm Pastor Jason Shirley. I'm the associate pastor right here at Word of Life Church in Carlsbad, New Mexico. And I'm really excited that you have joined us today online. Just a couple of things. I want you to drop us a line if you're watching wherever in the world and let us know where you're watching from. We would love to hear from you. Second, if you want to partner with us today in a financial way, then you can give by texting 84321 and just text your amount, or you can go to our website, wolcarlsbad.com, and you can click the Give tab and give that way. The last thing today is that if you have any needs or anything like that that we can partner with you on, then drop us a line and send us that, and we're going to partner with you in prayer. I believe today is going to be a wonderful day. I want you to open up your heart to receive from the Word of God today and always remember that God is madly in love with you. Let's get to the service. You know, in times like this, um, you know, many people uh, a lot of times begin to look to um, the prophets and begin to say, well, what are the prophets saying about what's going on in our world? And... You know, and I get people that send me links to things they've seen on YouTube of things that very, this prophet says this, Pastor, what do you think about it? This prophet said that, what, what do you think about that? And, uh, so I, you know, I began to, to, to sense that I needed to do a little bit of teaching on how to review or, or, or how to view, let me say it that way, on, on how to view and how to hear what the prophets are saying, because you know, how many know that there that not everything that uh, uh, is said, uh, you know, not not every prophet is actually a prophet of God. Not everyone who claims to be a prophet, who who says that they are a prophet, who speaks in, in a prophetic way, is is speaking the word of the Lord to you. You need to be able to discern. Scripture tells us that we are to judge prophecy. And so uh, we're, we're to line it up. There, there are some criteria that we need to look for and, and to line up and make sure that it agrees with the word of the Lord. Now, I don't claim to be a prophet. Uh, there are times that I operate in a prophetic way, and I speak some words that are prophetic. And, uh, but, but I make no claim to be a prophet, but I, I know what the scripture says about how to receive the word of the prophet. And, and uh, yes, there are true and genuine prophets in the world. I'm not, uh, I, I'm not downing all prophets. I'm not downing all prophecy uh, because there are, there are genuine, legitimate prophets that are operating and functioning in the body of Christ today. And so we're going to begin to look at this. In fact, Amos chapter 3, verse number 7 says, Surely the Lord God does nothing unless he reveals his secret to his servants, the prophets. Read that one more time. It says, Surely the Lord God does nothing unless he reveals his secret to his servants, the prophets. Now, I, I, need, to, um, I need to take a moment and, and comment on that passage right there. Why does God reveal his secret to his prophets? You see, it is because God gave man 
authority in the earth. When he created man back in Genesis, uh, the first chapter, it says he created man in his own image and in his likeness, and he gave him dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth, over all the earth. He gave man dominion and authority. And God honors his word. When God says something, he honors what he said. And he uh, abides by his own word and does things in keeping with his own word. So if he told man, you have dominion over all the earth, then God honors his word. And so because of that, when God wants to do something in the earth, the first thing that he does is he begins to talk to men who will then repeat what he is saying. God begins to talk to his servants, the prophets, who will begin to say, this is why God, all through the Old Testament, he is speaking to the prophets. What's he talking to them about? He's talking about what he wants to do. In fact, uh, you know, we're going to see some scripture here in a moment, but he, he starts talking to them about Jesus, who is to come. That's the ultimate plan. Jesus is the plan of God. Now, a, a whole lot of things took place in the process of getting Jesus here, but everything is pointing to Jesus in the Old Testament. It's all pointing to him. Now, we're on the other side of the cross. We are beyond the resurrection now. So the prophetic office has changed a little bit in that now it is pointing to the Jesus that went to the cross, was crucified there, bore our sins and our sickness and our disease and all of that kind of thing and rose again from the dead and all that he accomplished and the prophets are still pointing to Jesus. They were pointing forward to Jesus, now they point backward to Jesus, but nonetheless, the prophets always are talking about Jesus. And why did God do that? Because as they begin to say that by the words of their mouth, you see, man was given dominion, but how did he exercise the dominion that he was given? He exercised that dominion by the words of his mouth. Remember when Jesus spoke to the wind and the sea? Peace be still, what was he doing? He was speaking words that would, would be fulfilled. When Jesus, um, you know, he took the bread and the, and the fish and he lifted it up and he blessed it, and, and what was he doing? He was speaking words of what he wanted to accomplish. That's how he always operated. When Jesus spoke to the fig tree, what, he's speaking words. And those words were fulfilled. And man has always operated and, and taken authority in the earth that God had given him. He takes that authority by speaking words. And I want to caution you today. Don't just say anything. You know, sometimes we run our mouths way too much saying things that ought not be said. And so I want to encourage you today to latch on to the word of the Lord, and begin to speak it and in, 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 uh, begin to, to declare his word and what God wants to say. It took Jesus uh, or it took God uh, uh, 4,000 years from Adam's fall to get Jesus into the earth because he had to speak every detail 
of what Jesus would do once he came. Praise God. And so God does nothing unless he first reveals it to his servants, the prophets. So if you want to know what God is doing, if you want to know what, what he is accomplishing, then listen to what the prophets are saying. Praise God. In 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse number 20, it says, So they rose early in the morning and went out into the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem. Listen to this. Believe the Lord your God, and you shall be established. Believe his prophets, and you shall prosper. Now, is that still true? See, yes, it's still true. You see, I believe what the Old Testament prophets were saying about Jesus. I believe what Isaiah wrote when he says, Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. I believe that. And when I believe that Jesus bore, uh, bore my griefs and carried my sorrows, I believe that he was stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. He was wounded for my transgressions, bruised for my iniquities, the chastisement. See, I believe all of that that Isaiah wrote about Jesus. I believe it has come to pass, praise God. And, and see, he says that if I believe his prophets, I will prosper. Now, I've got to make sure that the word I'm believing is truly the word of the Lord, that it is genuine prophetic word from the Lord. And we're going to talk to you about today about how to judge and how to know if it is a genuine word from the Lord. Like I said, there are many prophets that are saying things that shouldn't be said. There are prophets that are saying things that didn't come from the Lord. And we, we find that in the old, it was going on in the Old Testament. That's not a modern day phenomenon. It, it is something that was happening uh, you know, way back in the Old Testament that there were prophets that were saying things out of their own heart as opposed to hearing the word of the Lord and speaking. But here, let, let's look at this. In Luke chapter 24, verse number 44, it says, Then he said to them, These are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written by, uh, in the law of Moses and the prophets and the psalm concerning me. In, in uh, John chapter 1, verse number 45, says, Philip found Nathanael, and he said to him, We have found whom, uh, him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Now notice here that all of the prophets, they all wrote or spoke of Jesus. And that's still true today. Every genuine prophet will be speaking of Jesus. Whether it was before the cross speaking of what was to come, or whether it is on our side of the cross, speaking of what has occurred. Nonetheless, a genuine prophet will always be speaking of Jesus. Notice this in Revelation chapter 19, verse number 10. And I fell at his feet 
to worship him. And he said to me, see that you do not do that. I am your fellow servant and of the brethren who have the testimony of Jesus. Worship God for, notice this, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So if there is no testimony of Jesus, it is not the spirit of prophecy. Very important, very important. Now, in other words, it's got to be consistent with. Now, let me, let me say this because I don't want you to be confused. Just because they didn't say Jesus in the prophecy, it must be consistent with what Jesus has done. Okay? And so that is the first and most important element of, see, we're judging by the written word of God. We're judging by the written word of God. What was written of Jesus? And it must be consistent. No one speaking by the word of prophecy will ever say anything that is inconsistent with the written word of God. It must agree with, it must line up with the written word of God. Now, a New Testament prophet, notice this. Acts chapter 15, verse 32. Now Judas and Silas themselves being prophets. Also, this is an example of a New Testament prophet. They exhorted and strengthened the brethren with many words. You see, there are a lot of people out there that they want to they want to uh, be prophets or, or to say that they are prophets, but they always want to prophesy doom and gloom and destruction. They always want to prophesy the terrible things, the bad things, the horrible things, and talk about those things. And, and, and I, I really, I, I have no idea why they want to do that because there's there so much good that has been done and so much good that God is is working in our world today. You know, why someone wants to get hung up on prophesying destruction and doom and gloom, I don't know because there's good news out there. Now, get this. They exhorted and strengthened the brethren with many words. This is what, and it says there in the same verse that these guys were prophets. So this is what a prophet does. Now, what did the Apostle Paul say about prophecy or about prophets? Let's look at Paul's writings. In fact, in 1 Corinthians, the, the 12th, 13th, 14th chapters, all through there he is talking about gifts and manifestations of the Spirit and uh, right in the middle of that is the 13th chapter that we refer to as the love chapter. Now notice here in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse number 3. He says, but he who prophesies speaks, notice this, edification and exhortation 
and comfort to men. He who prophesies speaks edification, exhortation, and comfort to men. So what's edification? That's building up. So if it builds up, that's edification. It speaks exhortation. That's giving an instruction. Okay? And then he says, lastly, that it speaks comfort to men. Praise God. So the prophet, he's speaking the mind of the Lord, but he is speaking edification, exhortation, and comfort. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse number 5. He says, I wish you all spoke with tongues, but even more that you prophesied. For he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks with tongues, unless indeed he interprets, and then notice this, that the church may receive edification. So here he says that the prophet, one who prophesies, or the equivalent of that, tongues followed by the interpretation of tongues, should speak edification to the church or building up to the church. These are the words of the Apostle Paul under the unction of the Holy Spirit. Verse number 12 of that same chapter. Even so, you, since you are zealous for spiritual gifts. He says, so if you're, if you're zealous for spiritual gifts, if you have a strong desire to be operating in spiritual gifts, here's what he's telling you. Let it be for edification of the church that you seek to excel. So he is, he is delivering a word here to those who are the prophets of doom and gloom. He's saying, let it be for the edification of the church that you seek to excel. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse number 26. He says, How is it then, brethren, whenever you come together, each of you has a psalm, has a teaching, has a tongue, has a revelation, has an interpretation? Let all things be done for edification. Should always be for building up the body of Christ building up the church for exhorting, giving an instruction, or for comforting. Praise God. Genuine prophecy will always do those things. And notice this. Does it contain the testimony of Jesus? Does it contain the testimony of Jesus? Now, here's what he says in in verse number 29 of that 14th chapter that we're still reading in. Verse number 29, let two or three prophets speak and let the others judge. He's not talking about judging the prophets. He's talking about judging what the prophets say. Judge the prophecy to see if it does those three things that we talked about, edifying, exhorting, and comforting. If it's not doing those three things, then we can judge that to be 
a wrong or erroneous prophecy. Now, in Ephesians chapter 4, verse number 29, Paul's still writing here, now writing to the Ephesians. He says, let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification. We see that again. He said it must be good for necessary edification that it may impart grace to the hearers or the favor of God toward the hearers. Now notice he says, let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth. He did not say, unless you're a prophet. If you're a prophet, then you can just speak anything. No. He says, let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth. Even if you're a prophet, you need to make sure that the things you are speaking out of your mouth are edifying and ministering grace to the hearers. Praise God. Ministering the favor of God to the hearers. Now, let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse number 32. And the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. So let me just say this. First of all, every person who is speaking a prophetic word must, first of all, judge their own prophecy before they speak it. Every prophet needs to judge his own prophecy before he speaks it out of his mouth. He needs to judge it by this criteria. Does it minister edification, exhortation, and comfort? Does it minister grace to the hearers? Praise God. See, because here's the thing. We know the heart of God. It's, it's interesting that Paul gives all these instructions in the 14th chapter, which is immediately following, and I know this is a deep revelation right here, but it immediately follows the 13th chapter. And the 13th chapter is known as the love chapter. And I just did a series of, of daily uh, communications with you, go back and watch those where I talked about love, a case of mistaken identity. And in that, I talked about the fact that 1 Corinthians chapter 13 tells us how, to, how we should behave if we're walking in love. But not only that, 1 Corinthians chapter 13 also reveals to us what God is like, what the heart of our Father God is like. And, and uh, why is that? Because God is love. That's what the Apostle John wrote in, in 1 John chapter 4. He wrote that God is love. And so the 13th chapter of 1 Corinthians is revealing the God who is love. And here, right immediately following this revelation of who God is, the very next chapter, he begins to exhort us on this issue of, uh, of spiritual gifts and of the prophets. Now... Ephesians chapter 4, verse number 7, says, But to each one of us 
grace was given or favor was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and he gave gifts to men. Now this, he ascended, what does it mean but that he also first descended into the lower parts of the earth? He who descended is also the one who ascended far above the heavens that he might fill all things. Now, in this passage, I want you to pick out these things right here. First of all, we all got something. To each one of us, grace was given. We all got something. Then he says, we all got a measure or a portion of Christ's gift. Now, notice here, none of us got it all. None of us got it all. In uh, in John chapter 3, verse 34, it says, For he whom God has sent speaks the words of God, for God does not give uh, the Spirit by measure. In other words, on Jesus, Jesus received the Spirit without measure. Without measure. Get that. Without. Jesus had the anointing of the Holy Spirit without measure. But he says that each one of us was given a measure of Christ's gift. So we all received a part of, see, this is why we are called the body of Christ, the embodiment of the anointing, and the body is not one member but many. And each member of the body has a part, but no one of us have it all. And this is why as a body, and we put all of the body working together, once again, we have duplicated the ministry of Jesus in the earth. Not one member, but many You've got to put us all together in order to have the ministry of Jesus once again duplicated in the earth. The full measure. Because I have a measure, you have a measure, each one of us, we have a measure of Christ's gift. And he did it that way to fill the earth with the glory of the Lord. And he did it that way because he wanted us to be joined together and joined to the Lord, praise God, I don't know, I haven't grown up to the fullness of the measure of the stature of Christ. You haven't either. But when we put us all together, we once again have the ministry of Jesus complete in the earth. Now, Ephesians chapter 4, verse number 11, he gave some be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, 
that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things unto him who is the head, Christ. Praise God. Now, notice here. Some were prophets. Not all are prophets. Some were prophets. Praise God. Then, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 28, he appointed these in the church. First apostles, second prophets, third teachers, after that miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, administrations, varieties of tongues. Verse 29, he goes on to say this, are all apostles? And the implied answer here is no. Are all prophets? No. Are all teachers? No. Are all workers of miracles? No. Do all have gifts of healings? No. Do all speak with tongues? No. Do all interpret? No. But earnestly desire the best gifts, and yet I show you a more excellent way. Now, I want to point this out to you. What is the more excellent way that he's talking about? This is in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And remember, we said that chapter 13 is immediately before chapter 14. Well, it's immediately after chapter 12. And so he says here, I show you a more excellent way. That is the last verse in chapter 12. 12, and then he begins with chapter 13, the love chapter. Here's what he is telling us. He is saying that the more excellent way is not that we be each fragmented and seeking our own thing and doing our own, uh, our, our own deal. You know, this is not about me. It's not about you. It's about us. It's about the body of Christ in the earth, and he is saying that the more excellent way is when we learn to walk together in love. Praise God. When we begin to be an imitator of God as dear children and walk in love. Praise God. No prophecy or no prophet, I should say, has it all. This is why Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse number 9, for we know in part and we prophesy in part. In Acts chapter 2, verse number 18, here's what he said. And on my men servants and my maidservants, I will pour out of my spirit in those days, and they shall prophesy. So are prophets genuine? Yes, prophets are genuine. Let me tell you what a prophet does. Just to, to wrap all this up, if you take all this and, and wrap it up into, in, into a neat little package, the prophet hears the heart of God, and he communicates the heart of God. And so if you want to be able to judge prophecy correctly, you need to know the heart of God. How are you going to know the heart of God? You're going to know the heart of God through the written word. You're not going to know it any other way. 
not what you think the heart of God should be. Or See, many people have created their own God in the image of what they want him to be like, or what they think he ought to be like. You're only going to find the heart of God revealed in the scriptures. And the prophet hears the heart of God and communicates the heart of God to the people. Now, I'm just going to close this today. Um, before I, I'm going to give an invitation if you've never received Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. But before that, I want to say this. Many people are afraid today concerning the coronavirus, and that's why we're doing this online today because of the coronavirus situation. But let me just say this. I heard this in my spirit. Talked about hearing the heart of God. I hear this right from the heart of God. And it is something that took place in Exodus, book of Exodus, when the children of Israel came out of Egypt. The Lord spoke a word. Let me just turn to the scripture and read it to you. It is Exodus chapter 14, verse number 13. It says this, Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which I will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall see again no more forever. The Lord will fight for you, and you shall hold your peace. Now, here's the word that was going over in my spirit. I'm hearing the heart of God. And so, therefore, I prophesy to you today. Here is what the Lord is saying. He said, the enemy which you see today, you will see no more again forever. I don't mean today is in or, or uh, today is in Sunday and tomorrow is in Monday. You won't see it again. No, I'm saying the Lord is dealing with this. He is fighting for you. This He is going to take this enemy out of the way, and you will see this enemy no more again forever, because God is dealing with this situation. And he is going to restore, mark it down, take hope in that, take courage in that, begin to declare that out of your mouth. See, God spoke a word about Jesus that was to come. The prophets repeated the word that God was speaking, and it, it, it gave God permission to bring his son Jesus into the world. Praise God. And here today, God is saying, this enemy which you see today, you will see again no more forever. God is going to bring it to pass very soon, very soon. So begin to declare it. Stop saying this stuff about this is going to be the death of us all. This is going to kill us all. This is going to wipe us out. Stop saying that stuff and start saying, this enemy we will see no more again, forever, in the name of Jesus. Begin to declare that out of your mouth. Begin to prophesy that and give God the permission to 
do what he wants to do in getting rid of this thing once and for all. Praise God. Receive that. Now, if you have never received Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, I want to invite you right now to say this after me. See, it's a, simply a matter of you believe what God said. You choose Jesus. You're making a choice here. Say this after me. God in heaven, I thank you for sending your son Jesus into this world. Went to a cross, shed his blood, paid for all of my sin, was dead and buried, rose again from the dead so that I could have new life. Today, I put my trust in Jesus as my personal Lord and Savior. Jesus, thank you for saving me. Amen. Thank you once again for joining us today online. We value you and we want to hear from you. If you made a decision for Christ today, you can select I Choose Jesus on our website. And we've got a couple videos for you to watch so that you can get started on your walk with God. We've also got a free ebook that you can download right from our website called I Choose Jesus. And I want to encourage you to do that. Once again, thank you for joining us. And remember that God is madly in love 